Friends, we're going to continue forward in our series today called Disconnected, which is just basically saying, let's not settle in the year 2021 for another year of disconnection, right? That takes on a lot of different forms today. We're going to talk about what it is to be disconnected from faith. You know, it's interesting that I've been talking with people saying, what do you think this means, this idea of being disconnected from faith? And it's a hard one to wrap our heads around. And I thought one of the best ways to do that this morning is for me just to share a couple of stories and moments where I've experienced it or seen this in ways that maybe we all look and go, oh yeah, that, yeah, I know exactly what that's like. And even if you don't know, you go, I've seen it. But I, I know I've seen that around me. You know, as we stopped having in-person services last March, I had people initially coming to me going like, okay, I, I don't like it. I'm not a fan, but I get it, right? I get, I get it. You, we got to do what we got to do, sure. Uh, and maybe that's the right choice. And then after a couple of weeks went by, I had people coming to me, some of them probably many of you that were saying, Ryan, we need to get back to having in-person services. Like there was a slew of emails, there were phone calls every time I went out anywhere. Like there was always somebody that was connected to Casas was like, Ryan, we need to get back to in-person services. And in those moments talking with that person, it, it wasn't just like a mild suggestion. If you looked at them, you could see the hope in their eyes. You could see the longing for like a kind of connection it was almost as though each person was expressing that, you know, amidst all this uncertainty, amidst all the felt sense of chaos and things around us, if I need to be connected in faith to, to move through this. I need to feel that. I need to know that that's there. If we could just get back to meeting in this building, because if you remember, services didn't stop. It was meeting in this place, in this building, uh, that, that it was like, we need to get back to in-person services. And then we did. We did. And that first week, I don't know how many of you joined us or were here, but there was an energy. People were excited. It was like this moment to be like, we've been gone a long time. We are finally back. And there was this joy. And it was kind of like saying, almost like this, finally, there's some sense of normal. Finally, there's this thing we get to return to. There's this opportunity to connect and faith together in this way. And then there was this really interesting thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that happened. And it was in week two. In week three, the energy shifted. I don't know if you guys felt that as well. As all of a sudden, whatever it was that, that this was supposed to be, whatever this was supposed to do, be really honest with you guys, I could feel the little bit of disappointment that, would, that existed. I could feel the sense of like, but I still feel all this uncertainty. But I still feel a little chaotic. But I still feel a little disconnected when it comes to what does it mean to have faith during this whole season of time. See, these are these moments where we find ourselves feeling disconnected. You know, another time, another place, I was having a conversation with somebody and they started talking to me about just what's happening in our country and politics. And they were frustrated about what wasn't happening or what was happening or what needed to change or what hadn't changed or what wasn't going to change fast enough. And they're so frustrated. And finally, they looked at me and go, Ryan, I, it's like everything's just flipped upside down and I don't know what to do. And then they said this phrase to me. They said, I feel like I'm losing my faith over this and I'm not sure what to put my faith in anymore. Powerful phrase. This is what it means to feel disconnected from faith. There was another moment, another time, I sat with a person, I've sat with many people who've lost somebody over the last several months here. Sitting with one particular person, they were so frustrated and so sad and so angry and just so hurt because they lost somebody significant. They said, Ryan, this is so much. I'm so frustrated with God and I feel like I'm losing my faith right now. 
said, yeah, I see that. See, this is what it is to be disconnected from faith. These are these moments in our life. Sometimes they're moments. Sometimes these moments stretch on beyond mere moments and they become entire seasons. Sometimes it's due to unforeseen circumstances that we walk through for long periods of time where we don't know how to navigate it. Sometimes it's the fatigue of uncertainty or sustained periods of time. Sometimes it's simply tragic loss that so shakes us. It's like somebody shook the very foundations beneath us that we stand upon. And you find yourself going like, I knew where to find faith a year ago. Like if I were to ask many of you, like what did faith, do you know how to connect to faith? Do you know how to stay connected to God in faith a year ago? Many of you go, yeah, here's what life looked like. Here's what I did. Here's the path I chose and how I pursued that thing. And if I were to say, what do you do now? Many of you would go, it's different. I'm still figuring it out. I don't know. I, I just feel a little disconnected. These are the moments when we get lost in the disappointment in it turns into frustration and then it becomes a kind of tension that gives way to apathy and you find yourself saying things like this, like, why bother? What's the point? I mean, how many of us have found ourselves going, I, I think what I need right now is to connect to faith in God here. And you know the steps you could probably take to do that? Like, I could go to a church service or I could join online or I could be a part of a small group. If I don't want to be in person, I could find a Zoom one. There's all kinds of electronic small groups and things. Or I could open my Bible or I could pray. And you know like the right answers to some of these things. And yet there's a part of you that just the energy, it's not there. And so there's just this quietly settling into a sense of disconnection. And I think for a lot of us, these are those moments where we feel a little disconnected from faith. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I don't know what it's been like specifically for you. I don't. I don't know what it's meant to navigate disconnection from faith for you in this last year. I think in some ways it's got to be a little different for each of us, knowing that each of us are living our own unique lives as us. That we've all walked through something. Despite walking through it together, there's been a uniqueness to it. But here's the thing that I do know. I do know one thing here this morning, friends, and it's this. As we move into this next year, whether things are better or whether things are worse around us, we don't have to stay in that place of disconnection. We don't have to give that away to the circumstances of the world and the life around us. We don't, ourselves, our lives, our, the thing that we're in the driver's seat, we don't have to stay in that place of disconnection. We don't have to let the year 2021 become another year where we simply settle for being disconnected when it comes to faith. That path, that journey, that thing that anchors our lives and guides us forward and empowers our steps, it's still there, friends. We just have to find it. And I mean that. Some of us are waiting for it to come to us, and yet the truth is we just have to find it because sometimes life has shifted or changed somehow. Sometimes when everything's kind of gone topsy-turvy and gotten shaken up and we've lost our sense of normal, in those moments we have to learn what it means to connect to faith in God all over again. It's the truth. It's just the honesty of the moment. But the good news is, we're not the first to be here. I want you to know that. The good news is we're not the first to feel this. We're not the first in recent history or in modern history. We're also not the first in ancient history. This has happened many a time over again. It happened in the Old Testament and we see it even in the new. This morning, we're gonna spend some time in the Old Testament. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 25 for a moment. 
In the book of 2 Kings, we read about a moment, an era, a season, if you will, in the life of Israel where they experience exactly what this would have been like. They do. They experience this uh, in a profound way. This is one of the most difficult seasons that the nation of Israel ever had to walk through. Really complicated season. And it was a time when they were conquered by the Babylonians and the nation was taken off into exile. Many in the nation were taken off into exile where they were to live in a land that wasn't their home, in a culture that wasn't their culture with the Babylonians. This is where they lived. Second Kings chapter 25, beginning at verse 8, details this. This, this initial experience. It says, in the fifth month of the seventh day of the month, that was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the bodyguard, a servant of the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, every great house he burned down. And all the army of the Chaldeans who were with the captain of the guard, they broke down the walls around Jerusalem. And the rest of the people who were left in the city and the deserters who deserted to the king of Babylon, together with the rest of the multitude, Nebuchadnezzar and the captain of the guard carried them off into exile. This happened. Now, I know that we could read that paragraph there, this passage out of 2 Kings, and here in the year 2021, find ourselves feeling a little disconnected from that experience. Or reading and being like, okay, cool, what's the like tidbit or the thing that we're supposed to know from that? I don't have some verse in there that I'm asking you to like draw implication to your life. I want you to recognize these were real people who walked through a real experience. Don't let that get lost on you. This is a big deal. And notice what happened. They watched their city burn. They watched their walls collapse. They watched their houses destroyed. They watched their things decimated. And above and beyond all else, they watched the temple destroyed and burnt and the things within it hauled off. This was a huge deal. I cannot say that enough. See, for, for this era, for this culture, they didn't see the temple the way we even would see like a church or a church building. They didn't see it as like, this is just a place that you come to every now and then, you know, to, to maybe worship or to gather in faith or whatever that thing is. The temple was like a center for life. Their whole culture, their way of existing centered around it. And it, it literally anchored faith in society because of how you interacted with the temple. For them, the temple was more than just a place you went to gather for worship. When you built a home, according to Jewish law, as laid out in the scriptures, in the book of Leviticus, when you built a home, you didn't live in that home. You didn't call it your home until you had gone to the temple to dedicate it. The way you finally got that house and built a home and started a life for yourself in that thing, even if it was just an addition to your parents' house, whatever that was, was by going to the temple. It was central for this, where you dedicated it in faith to God. When you started a family, your firstborn son, who was going to carry on the family name based on this culture, the moment you had your firstborn, you dedicated that son to the Lord. The at where? The temple. Even if you didn't live in Jerusalem, you made the journey to the temple. This was custom. It was the law. Not simply because they voted on it. It was outlined in scriptures as this is what it means to follow and connect with God. This is what you do. And so they did. This was huge. In order to worship God, in order to make sacrifice, in order to find forgiveness, you needed the temple. In order to have a home, you needed the temple. In order to start a family, you needed the temple. Do you see how big of a deal this was? Huge. It's at the center of their existence, their life, and their faith. So do you see it now? When the temple burned, when it was destroyed, they didn't just watch a house of worship destroyed that they would just build another. They watched the way they connect to God, the way they connect to faith, all of it crumbled to the ground. And then they were hauled off to another place. In a single year, 
in a really horrible year, they watched it all crumble as they were taken away to exile in a place that wasn't their home, where they didn't want to live, where there was no temple to be found, and people didn't follow faith the way that anybody had where they'd come from. And for the Jewish people, it felt like they had become disconnected from their faith. We see this outlined, actually. There's an entire book of Hebrew poetry in your Bibles that rarely gets preached on in churches. It's the book of Lamentations. Many of us, if we were to start reciting books of the Bible, might even be tempted to leave the book of Lamentations out. It's just one of those that doesn't always pop into our heads. It's written about the very impact of this specific loss by a prophet named Jeremiah. It's a book of Hebrew poetry. It is honest and just candid about this entire experience. And it's called in English, Lamentations. In the Hebrew, it's not. In the Hebrew, it's simply called How. It's the book of How, as in how could this happen? How could this be? How did we get here? How? And you see that word over and over again. Lamentations 1, chapter 1, or chapter 1, verse 1 reads this, introducing the book. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow has she become? She who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. This kind of verbiage goes on and on through verse after verse. We get all the way to verse 16. The author says this, For these things I weep, my eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Verse after verse, chapter after chapter. Lamentations 3, 16 through 18 says, He has made my teeth grind on gravel. That makes me ugh, cringe inside when I read that verse. And made me cower in the ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. The word for happiness there in the Hebrew is the word for good. The author is saying, I've gotten so far. Things have gotten so crazy. It's been such a bad year. I don't even know what the good is at this moment. Forgotten what happiness is. And then verse 18, so I say my my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Honest, isn't it? I mean, it's incredibly candid speech about a really hard moment during a terrible season for the nation of Israel. The people are hurt, they're frustrated, they're tired, they're angry and overcome and struggling amidst all of the uncertainty that they have faced and that they are now walking through. And with the temple destroyed, it's like, it's like they've come to live in a world where they're disconnected from faith. Like they don't have a way to get back to it. And like they're being taken to a place where it doesn't exist. You see, for the Jewish people, as I said, it'd been an absolutely, I don't know if this resonated with you yet, terrible year. Been an absolutely terrible year and things were still not back to normal. And now they're supposed to live in the wreckage of whatever this thing was, of all that had happened. And they had no temple. They had no homes. They had no sense of normalcy and were existing in a place where so much had changed and so much had been lost. And they just wanted to go back. They just wanted this moment to stop and they just wanted to go back. But friends, hear me when I say, connecting to faith isn't always about going back. It's about finding God in the here and the now. I'm gonna say that again. Connecting to God, connecting to faith isn't always about going back. It's about connecting and finding God in the here and the now. I think some of us probably know what that's like. I think some of us are probably sitting in a space where we're going like, man, if I could just go back, if I could just make my way back to this space or this place or this time or this moment, I could do it then. Now's crazy, but if I could just go back and yet that's there for us, the truth is still the truth here. And you know, we don't just learn this in moments of difficulty like the year 2020 was. 
We learn this in seasons of our lives too. I love talking to people in their first year of having children. I do. I, I love it. And it's because you can just see the tension. You can see the like wanting to be joyous and also wanting to be honest at the same time on their faces. It's much akin to me. It's the same experience as when you get to talk to somebody who just got off of a roller coaster that somebody else had looked at them and been like, it's not bad. You'll love it. Get on. Have a great time. And then you wait at the, the end and you watch the person stumbling off and they have that look like, what just happened to me? And why did I do this? And I'm not even sure if I like where the next, where left is or right is. Where am I? Why did you take my picture? Right? Like, this is what I see. It's that moment. Everybody, when they had their first year of having children, seems to have that same look on their faces, a little worn out, a little confused, wondering about what just happened and glaring at the people who told them that this would be easy. If you're a single person in the room, you also know what this is like because you've watched somebody in your life have kids and you found yourself thinking, what happened to that person? It's complicated. It is difficult. Being a parent is such a crazy experience, and I can so remember what that first year is like feeding schedules, baby routines, right? A constant state of interrupted sleep that basically takes whatever you thought of was normal life and kind of chucks it out the window and says, this is how life is going to be now. This is what must be in order to keep this little one alive. Can we all just take a moment, if you're listening to this right now, whether in person or online, can we just take a moment by nature of the fact that you are here, find gratitude. Because what it means is, is that at some point in time, someone or a whole host of people altered the very course of their life, lost their sense of normal so that you could stay alive, be fed, and not sit around in your own filth. You're here. You made it. Like that alone. A lot of us have terrible childhoods, good childhoods, but that alone is a thing. You're here. We should celebrate that. I remember with my wife and I, before we had kids, uh, we would stay up and watch movies or play games and connect with each other and talk and all this stuff. And on the you know, days where we didn't have to work the next day, we'd sleep in. There was a whole host of ways that we connected, whether it was a weekday or a weekend. There was all these things that we would do. And then my first daughter arrived on the scene and everything changed. I've shared some of this with you all before, where all of a sudden you find yourself in this space where you're just like, wow, this is a lot. And at first we thought, we'll just, we'll just do it. We're going to stay connected because we love each other. We're going to do this and we're going to make it happen. And then you're just so tired and fatigued and so thrilled that you've made it this far at some point that really, if we ended the day and looked at each other and we're like, everyone's alive, fed, and the house doesn't look fully destroyed, you're like, victory. And so we started to slip into this thing. This, this thing began to transition with us in that first year where we began to feel a little more disconnected from one another. It's very normal, but we did. Began to feel like, oh man, I miss you. I haven't connected with you. I don't even know what that means right now. And we'd look at each other and express that. And then we'd use this phrase, which many of us use, not just in parenting, but in our everyday lives. We'd say, you know what? When we get past this stage, then. Right? You don't have to be a parent to have said this phrase. Some of you have been saying this in your workplaces since you started there. When I finally get past this moment, then for us as parents, it was when we get past this whole not sleeping stage, then. When we're not so tired, then. Let me know when that happens. When we get past this whole nursing stage, then. When we get past this whole nap schedule stage, then. When we get past diapers, then. When, we, when our kids are most, more self-sufficient, excuse me, then. I could keep going and just continue to rattle off through eras of childhood. There's always a next stage. There's always a then. There's always a thing to get past. What eventually happened to us was, is that we found ourselves looking at life as if to say, when things finally get back to normal, then we'll find ways to connect with one another. 
And here's what we realized. Over time, we began to realize that thinking that way and approaching our lives that way caused us to just indefinitely settle for disconnection. There was always this thing on the horizon that we were hoping to get to, and we just settled for disconnection in the now. And some things, friends, in our lives are too important to allow disconnection to become, become something we simply settle for. I want to say that again to you because I want you to hear some things in our lives are simply too important to allow disconnection to be something that we simply settle for. And I think we started to realize this. At one point, my wife and I looked at each other and was just like, I want to know you again. <laughs> I want to connect with you again. And we did something weird. We said, you know what? Rather than waiting for normal, what's the honesty? Let's get really honest about our life right here and right now. Let's just get really honest about whatever this mess is that we're living in. And let's acknowledge it. And then let's just figure out what does it look like in the here and in the now, in the midst of all of this, to be connected. And so we found new ways. We charted new paths. We entered into new ways of operating and behaving with one another where we started to connect again so that we could be friend, lover, spouse, partner in life because it was too important. I share all of this with you because the same is true for faith. The same is true with our relationships with God, friends. It's a really big deal. Let me go back to the scriptures here. As people of Israel, remember they're hurt, they're frustrated. The city has been ransacked. The temple's been demolished. They've been hauled off and they're now gonna live in exile. I don't know if I've shared this with you yet. This lasted 70 years. So talk about a bad week, a bad month, a bad year. They didn't know it, but at the time, this went on to last for 70 years. That's how long they were in exile. And as they're making their way into exile, God speaks to the prophet Jeremiah to deliver a message to the people, to, to give them instruction on, here's how I want you to engage during this crazy season. Here's what I want you to do during this time of uncertainty and this time of exile. And it's profound, and I hope it impacts us today. Jeremiah chapter 29, beginning at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what he tells them. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. As if to say, grow and expand, don't wither away. And then verse seven, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. Don't miss this chunk of, of scripture that we just read here. I mean, did you hear what he just said? Think about this. He says, build houses and live in them. Wait, wait, wait. You can't tell them that because in order to build houses and live in them, what do they need? According to Jewish law, according to the customs of their faith and how they know how to relate to God, what do they need in order to do that? They need a temple so they can dedicate the house. And yet he says, build houses and live in them. This was a powerful statement, friends, not just to like, hey, why don't you go build a house? This is an overturning. This is a pointing forward. He basically is saying, don't stop building a life. Don't stop walking in faith just because things have changed and much has been lost. Find a new way to connect and build that life. Some things are too important. Find it even in the mess that you're in. What else did he say? Take wives and daughters and have them take, you know, husbands and have kids and have generation after generation do the same thing. But he can't do that. 
Because based on the Jewish faith, what do you need to do if you have a firstborn son? And they didn't make this up as outlined in the scriptures in the book of Leviticus. What do you need to do? You need the temple because you got to take the kid to the temple to be dedicated so that your family line can continue because this is what God has said is how you relate to him and how you live faith out. This is what you do. But there is no temple. It's gone. They're not even in Jerusalem. They're in Babylon. God's saying, don't stop building a life and walking in faith just because things have changed and much has been lost. Find a new way to connect in faith to God and build a life upon it. This is really important for us, friends. Lastly, look at what he says in verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city and let its welfare become your welfare. Think about that. He's not just saying, bide your time and wait through the chaos. He's saying, make something of this moment. Live in it in a way that you would expand and compound and grow love and let your faith be vibrant and beautiful even here, even still in this place. Let your faith matter as much in your exile as it did in your normal. See, God wants to move and love you and work with you and be a part of you wherever you are, even in the here and the now. So often what we do is we create this binary experience where God's only in the good and then in the bad, we call out for him, waiting for him to like parachute in to rescue us. The profound message of Christianity as evidenced by Christ on a cross himself is that it's in the mess that God shines most vibrantly. It's that it's in our hurt and our brokenness and our pain and our struggle and our uncertainty that the greatest profound message of love pours itself out. Not a God who is beyond or a God who is before or a God who's back there, but wherever you might be right there, center square in the midst of it. He's saying faith is here, connect to it. Build your life on that. See, friends, faith isn't stored in a place somewhere, whether in a building like this or a moment or an era in your past. It's not housed somewhere. Faith is a journey that you and I are both on right now. Faith is something that every single day we're waking up and we're engaging, whether we realize it or not. Every one of us in the course of our lives on any given moment is putting our faith in something. Faith isn't always an opportunity to connect to God wherever we might be. I share all of this with you because I can't help but wonder how many of us find ourselves in the space we're just waiting to go back to whatever we think normal is. I can't help but wonder how many of us find ourselves in the space where we're waiting for whatever crazy season this is to end so that we can go back and pick up our faith wherever we last left it and resume life as it was before. To do so, friends, is to settle for disconnection in the now in a way that some things are just too important for your life to settle for that way. How many of us are like my wife and I when we have kids where you're like, we'll get to it when this phase is over. <laughs> it's in the midst of this phase that it matters and it will also matter in the next phase and the next phase and the next phase. It is so big, friends. Friends, it is your faith it, it, it's, this is really important. It's your faith that gives purpose to your choices. The thing you put your faith in gives purpose to your choices and purpose to the path that you are on right now. God isn't done with your life. I, I want you to hear this. God isn't done with your life. The things that are happening and the events in the world and things that are happening all around us aren't some massive signal that God's somehow done with you or done with your life in the here and now. But as long as you continue to draw breath, and live out the gift that is your life. There's faith in God to connect you in it, to build upon it, even in the midst of exile, even in the midst of mess, regardless of what normal looks like or doesn't. 
It's your faith that allows you to be connected. This is also really important. It's your faith that allows you to be connected, not just to the circumstances of your present moment, but to the larger story that has been told for thousands of years before you and will be told long after you. You right now, with every breath you take, every choice that you are making, every step and things that you are doing in your life and the paths that you choose, you right here and right now are a part of a much larger story. It's connecting in your faith that allows you to root yourself in that so that you don't just get lost in this circumstance, but you're able to see both. That's powerful, friends. It's your faith that allows you to look into a moment of uncertainty and not just see it as the end of an all chaos is like looming right here, but to recognize that though this moment is uncertain and difficult, it is not my end because I know the story and I trust the story moves beyond me. And like the Israelites making their way into exile, which lasted again, might I say, for 70 years, I don't believe that God has us right now in a holding pattern where life is meant to feel frozen and faith is meant to feel muted until we can somehow get back to where we last left it. Sure, the world's a little crazy and feels a little shaken up. And that's an understatement. Let's just be honest. The world feels a lot of crazy and a lot of shaken up. It's nuts. But that doesn't mean that our faith journey it is done. If faith can be found and life can be had and connected to with God in the Jewish exile, then I have to believe that in the here and in the now for us, that there's something good and beautiful even still. I have to. But here's the thing. We have to look for it. We have to pursue it. We have to seek it out. I think some of us are probably waiting for it to somehow like collide with us or find us. Those are beautiful moments when they happen in life. But there's also a part on us to pursue it, to seek it out, to choose it. And as we seek to do that today, I want to glean some wisdom from a moment with Paul in the book of Acts. And I know that's jumping all the way to the New Testament, but Paul has this profound moment. He's standing in Athens addressing this group of people, and they've been hearing him talk about who this God is and, and what it means to follow him, and they're all kind of confused. And so he gives this really short and concise message about what it, who this God is and what it means to connect to him. And I realized as I was walking through this passage and, and this message this last week, I was like, he summarizes everything we've just talked through and then points the way forward. And so I want to read through that to summarize it with you all today, but in hopes that we might be pointed forward too. And we'll spend some time there to close the service. Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 24. Here's what he says. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. God is not confined to a place. Faith is not hidden somewhere in a building. It's here, present in our midst. Verse 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives all mankind life and breath and everything. Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, meaning there's spaces and times and seasons and there is faith and there is God through all of those things. None of it's lost. None of it's absent. Verse 27, and here's the way forward, friends, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our very being. If you're in a place this morning, if you're in a place this last year where you have felt disconnected from faith and you just haven't found your way back, or you don't even know what the step forward is, let me take a challenge directly from Paul here. And it's this, and it might sound basic, but it's so true. Seek him. And I mean it as simple as that, seek him. 
If you're feeling disconnected from faith, here's a, here's a step to take. Step one, seek God in something new. If the world around you is turned upside down and your normal has changed and everything feels different, then it might be time to seek God in something new. Maybe it's a new friendship. Maybe it's a mentor. Maybe there's a person in your life where you're like, there's something about they, the way they connect with God in faith that I just want to learn from and I want to know. And I haven't done that yet. Seek them out. Ask them questions. Those are some of the most beautiful moments I've experienced in my life. Maybe it's a new book. Maybe it's a new way of challenging yourself or reading something. Maybe it's a new experience. I started gardening at the, at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm not passionate about gardening. I'm still trying to decide whether I even like it or not. Like I've been doing this, but, but uniquely here's what's happened is it's the moments I'm out there like pruning plants and pulling weeds and watering things that I find myself most reflective, most talking with God and just relating and being honest in that space. So I guess I'm going to continue gardening and I'll let you know if it ever becomes something I enjoy because uh, it's a beautiful thing. I'm grateful for it. I don't know what it'll look like for you. It could be anything. Seek him in something new. Or here's step two. Seek God in something you already know. One of the hardest things about going through difficult times is, and this is not just true for connecting with faith. This is everything. When we go through times of acute stress or times of like existing uncertainty, what we so often do are all the things that are good for us, that we know that are good for us, that work for us, we stop doing because we become laser focused on our stress. And it just becomes that which we give most of our time, attention, energy to, and then we just try to sleep the rest of it off. And we just stop doing all those things that we know. The same is true for faith. You know, some of you love to connect with God in prayer. And for whatever reason, you just haven't done that in a long time. Seek him in it. Start. Take a step to pray. Some of you love to journal. It's been a part of your life, and yet for whatever reason, you haven't lifted a pen or typed a word on a keyboard in a long time. Start. Start that thing that you know is good and works for you and is meaningful as you go to connect in faith. Some of you connect through music or a conversation or an experience or by getting outside, and for whatever reason, you just haven't done that in forever. For whatever reason, over the course of this last year, you just focus in, whether it's on like doom scrolling and responding to every comment on Facebook or being attached to every news headline that could possibly come out and not having much room left in your head and your heart for the day. Many of us have stopped doing all of those things. And all I'm saying is if it works and you know that that's a goodness for you, choose it. Like close the phone, close the keyboard, turn off the cable, start. Make a choice to do that thing. Or here's the third thing, friends. And I think this is part of what it means to seek God as well. Trust God with your thoughts and feelings. I mean that. Trust God with your thoughts and feelings. When Paul writes that we should seek him and perhaps feel our way toward him that we might find him, that word that he uses for feel our way toward, it's this idea. It's a Greek word that is, could be defined as to touch, to feel, to make an effort despite difficulties, to come to know something. You know, if you have felt this last year, like connecting to faith is like feeling your way blindly through the darkness of a cave, you're probably not alone and you're probably not crazy. It has probably felt that way. You can be honest about those things. Part of the reason why I read you the book of Lamentations and some of what the author said, I want you to hear the description of how they felt and what happened with the temple. I also wanted you to hear the boldness and the honesty of the author as he speaks to God. It's modeled for us in the scriptures. If you feel like that's where your faith is right now and you're feeling your way through the dark, tell him. Tell him, this feels like the dark. <laughs> and I feel blind and I'm frustrated. 
If you feel like you are angry or you're frustrated or you're sad about COVID or you're just annoyed by it, tell him. Clearly, just tell him, talk with him about that. If you are angry or confused about our country or our politics, you can tell him. I promise the people around you will be grateful if you start telling him. You can do this if you feel lost or alone or distant or whatever that might be. Tell him, if you want to have a real faith relationship with a real God, you should start by being the real you and offering that up. Wherever it is that you are, he's God. He's big enough to handle it. I know sometimes we're like, well, I can't talk to God. Read your Bible. You'd be so surprised by the phrase, I can't talk to God, where it just does not fit. There are people that say a whole host of things. It is seeking him. I think that's what he'd want. He's God. He's big enough to handle it. That's the realness and the rawness of you. It's a great place to start. And lastly, friends, as we close out the morning here, may each of us find encouragement in the way that Paul ends in verse 27. As we seek God and feel our way towards him, the truth of the matter is, though we feel far off, he is never actually very far from us. And I know that doesn't always resonate, but I want you to hold that as a piece of confidence that as you feel your way through the dark or as you go to re-engage or as you try to find what it means to be connected into faith, what I want you to understand is that even so, even there, as you make your way forward, God has already made his way to you. He's as close to you as he could possibly be waiting to connect in faith in the here, in the now. For you, friends, are a child of God. In him, you live and move and have your very being. This is your life. It is too precious a thing to go to another year, settling for a sense of disconnection and faith. May it be a comfort knowing that God is already there with you and loving you as you do. Let's pray. God, it's been a year. And the honest truth is, Lord, as we move forward into this next year and continue forward, um, help us to understand what it means to connect in faith with you. I think it's going to look different for each of us, God, but I trust you and your wisdom to open us up, to guide us, to reach us. Lord, you're already here. You're already in our midst. May that draw, may we draw encouragement from that, Father. Give us courage. Give us patience. Give us willpower. Give us whatever it is that we need to take some of those steps to reconnect with you. And God, I pray that in that, that there would be the sense for each person here that they would come to know just how known they are by you and that they would allow themselves that experience, Lord root our footsteps, guide our path, and anchor our purpose and faith as we continue to walk forward in this life. That the welfare around us that we create might become our welfare, that that goodness might compound, and that your love and your goodness and your beauty might continue to be made known in us and around us. We love you, and we hold on to that hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you soon, friends.